Hello and welcome to Aramis Soccer with myself, Justin Hoyt. Um, and we are recapping our coverage of Trinidad and Tobago during the tournament this year um, with a very special guest, uh, Trinidad defender who also plays for Hartford Athletic, Tristan Hodge. Tristan, thank you very much uh, for joining us on the podcast. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. And we actually have two Trinidad internationals um, on this podcast with Justin Hoyt and Tristan. And uh, I like to tell people that the three of us have combined for, I believe, 47 international caps. Um, you two accounting for 47 of them and me doing my bit with none. Um, your, intri- your, your start to your Trinidad career, Tristan, is interesting because I look through the games here and you didn't start slow. Uh, one of your early games listed is a game against Uruguay. Um, Edison Cavani is listed. Uh, Nicholas Ladero is listed. Um, I'm a Middlesbrough fan, and I can see the uh, Christian Stuani and Gaston Ramirez pairing listing. Uh, that's a hell of a start to international football for you. Um, have you played a better team than that since? Uh I think, like, honestly, one of my hardest games I've played in my career is, like, was against Mexico. Mexico? Yeah. Was it in Mexico? Yeah, in Mexico. What an atmosphere. What an atmosphere, bro. Like, you, you couldn't hear yourself. Like, you can hear your teammates. It was crazy. Yeah, it's a crazy atmosphere. Mexico is one of the hardest places to go to and play. I'm telling you, it's... it's... I remember playing him in the Gold Cup at uh, uh, Atlanta Stadium. It was full of Mexican fans, the whistling, the booing. Man, it's it's something else. It's it really is something else. Like they, they, they get more fans like in America than Americans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's crazy. It's crazy. They're good, they're good as well. Like they've got a lot of individual players, young players, fast players, dynamic players. So it's I mean, to to try and communicate in the game to someone next to you with that loud noise, it is one of the hardest things to do, man. How did you feel on your debut? Was you ready for it? Oh, uh, like, to be honest, like, I was kind of scared, like, you know, because I haven't played, like, I'm accustomed to playing, like, in Trinidad, like, <laughs> people come to the game, you know, so, like, it, it was, like, a really hard transition from, like, 50 to, like, 10,000. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, so Way, like, tough players, you know, so, like, going into the game, the nervousness was there, but, like, I didn't try like to think about it too much because I was having a good season in Trinidad, you know, and I believed in myself. So, you know, but like unfortunately, I as the game went on, like I got injured like in the first half, like you know, uh, I had like a mild concussion, so I had to come off and mm-hmm. to the hospital. But like I was having a good game, and like after the game is that that's where I got my contract, like my first contract. Okay, yeah, that's good. During your international career, Tristan, if I was to ask you, uh. One individual player that you found the highest level <laughs> to face, who who would you uh, pick out? Oh, can you repeat that question? During your international career, um, yeah. if I was to ask you which individual attacker that gave you the most problems, toughest to play against, highest level of opposition, who who would jump into mind when I ask you that? Ah, uh, I would say there. I played against Piru, and like there's this guy. I think his name is Hernandez. I can't remember his name, but I think he's the number eight. He played like uh, right wing, and I played left left back. And like I think like 
he was pretty direct. Like, he don't turn back. Like, he's coming at you. Like, you know, I think, like, he was the toughest opponent I faced. And, like, I played against uh, Mexico's right winger. Uh, I can't remember his name. Lozano. It's Lozano. He's, he's pretty pretty good, too. But I think uh, the guy from Peru is, is the toughest. Nice. And in this tournament we're about to reference, um, you know, the opposition you came against was no slouch. You uh, faced head-to-head Jesus Ferreira, Leon Bailey, Demarai Gray, uh, Mikel Antonio. You know, there was some talk in the media of uh, some B-teams going to this tournament, but that's some uh, that's some high, high-level opposition you've, you've ran into. So coming into this tournament, you know, talk us through, um, we're outsiders, take us inside a little bit to the Trinidad squad. What's the preparation for the tournament look like? What is the uh, the team mindset going into the tournament? Oh, like to to start the tournament, like you know, we have to like qualify first. We have to play like one game before we get into the A. So, we, like it, it was a must win game. Like if we lose, like that's it. So going into the tournament, we was like you know, it's do or die. You know, we have to like put our best foot forward. Like there's no time. It's not a league, so there's no time for us to like you know. Maybe we can lose this game or we can draw this. You know, we have to like win. And like, we got the news that, that Nicaragua was kicked out. So, uh, automatically, we went into like to the next group. So, we had a, a little more time to prepare or a little extra preparation for the tournament coming up. And, you know, most of the guys we were positive, like, some of the guys were having good seasons. So, in the camp, was, it was a elated like environment. Uh, people were working hard. like. The coaches was like happy for the the chance to go in Group A to to push ourselves. So you know, like everyone in 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 uh in the camp was positive. So you know, we would go out, we would train hard. Like we believed, like you know, we had a strong mind to believe that you know, like this is our chance because we we didn't we didn't have to play the game again. We were already in the group. So you know, that's one step in. So like yeah, going into the camp, like everything was elated. We was happy. We was working hard. You know, so, yeah. Yeah, and I think that showed through a little bit in the first game because I was very impressed. I mean, the field, was, it looked horrendous. Um, yeah. And you you actually managed, even though we're watching on TV and we can see the ball rolling to a stop. Um, well, first of all, let's interject with here. If there's any young players watching, any youth high school, college coaches watching, you know, young players often blame conditions. Uh, but the fact is, your team is here went into horrendous conditions in terms of field moisture and weather and put on what I think is a very impressive performance. So, like, how did you do that? How did you manage to have a 20-plus pass move before Hackshaw plays in Jones for the opener? And it looks like your team managed to adapt to the conditions where Kitson and Nevis every now and again seem to be visibly frustrated by them. Is that something the coaching staff discussed with you? Was there any particular approach to it for you to be so successful? Uh, to be honest, like, no, like, mo- most players, like, we have, like, there's different pairs of cleats, which is, like, the, the rubber pegs and the iron pegs, so he was, like, put, put your iron on because it's wet, but, like, I think, personally, like, coming from Trinidad, like, Trinidad native, like, we're accustomed to, like, people being wet, you know, playing in that, like, co- condition, like, the fields are not good in Trinidad, so I think that helps us, you know, in the game when we are like, you know, played on the wet field. Like, yeah, I think that pushed us through. Like, yeah. some of the players already 
you know, playing on surfaces like that, you know, so it, it was nothing new. Because yeah. like, we won against the U.S. in like a, a condition like similar to, like it was wet. Yeah, I think that brings up an interesting point on player development because you just said there, Trinidad, you're kind of used to and adapted to less than ideal conditions. Uh, I coached in the Ivy League and I've got some friends coaching in uh, MLS academies. And sometimes if you bring a player up and you develop him in an environment of perfection and he's not ready when the, uh, the circumstances change, when he's not an MLS next player anymore and he's playing in the USL Championship on NISA, you know, when he's uh, a Dartmouth player but he's not playing on his Saturday afternoon perfect field, he's playing midweek on the road on turf. And if they can't perform in these different types of conditions, I'd argue that player's not mentally developed and it can actually work against you to be brought up in these environments of perfection. Yeah, I mean, like, it, it always comes down to, like, your mind, but, like, it could help you, like, playing a field like that before, it could help you, like, it also has players that like, has never played on a field like that and they would adapt, like, to a field that we played on, you know? It's, it's all mental, too. Yeah, yeah. because if you play on surfaces that ain't perfect and whatever conditions you're used to playing in, you know, them kind of conditions where the, the pitch is boggy, you have to, like, chip the ball sometimes or you have to put a little bit of more weight on the passes or a short pass, you have to put a little bit less just because you know the role of the ball, having played outside of a perfect field. When you do come to that experience or playing on a pitch that, you know, you've played on before or there's conditions all of a sudden change, your mindset is like, well, I've faced this before, so I know how to deal with it. I know how to pass. I know how to run. I know how to dribble because I've experienced that. Do you know what I mean? You know when to pass, when not to pass, when to dribble, when not to dribble. So I think that kind of helped you in that game also because a lot of the players were used to it and have experienced, not used to it, but have experienced playing on them kind of fields before, which, you know, going to Trinidad, the fields aren't perfect, but you get good quality players out of it because when they go from that, field that they've been playing on to a better surface now they become a better player because the pitch is better the quality of the pass is going to be better do you know what i mean you get become a better player playing outside of them conditions yeah i often wonder to myself if the u.s fan base the u.s media they try too hard with this how hard Concacaf is and they sort of i think overplay field conditions and what have you rather than a real intention to yeah this is going to be different but there's a way to win this game in these conditions. And these are the conditions of this game. And I don't, I mean, you've been around Arsenal, Middlesbrough, Sunderland. I sometimes wonder if we're breeding players with a lack of resilience because even the adult leadership and the narrative is as soon as the conditions aren't perfect, then you can't succeed. Is that something you came across at those clubs, Justin, or am I the one overplaying it? No, it's funny because obviously growing up at London Coney playing a, Arsenal, you was playing on carpet. So it's like you're used to that surface. But then when I was an academy guy, we go against Millwall and the surface would be terrible. And they would make it like that just on purpose because they know that we're coming, we've come from like perfect surface. We're going to play well. So they purposely didn't make it perfect for us because they know it upset our rhythm. But we easily quickly adapted to that because we had to make us stronger because we knew we couldn't play the type of football that we play. We had to adapt to a different style. Whereas yeah. nowadays, if everyone is playing on the same surface, okay, it's great and it's good for the young players and their development because we want everyone to be at a decent level that they can play 
and enjoy the best surfaces. But at the end of the day, if they don't reach the top and they have to go somewhere a little bit lower or it's not perfect conditions outside of the MLS, outside of the USL, maybe, you know, the surfaces aren't great. Now, how do they deal with it? Some players cannot deal with it because they're like, well, this ain't right. This length of grass isn't right. The pitch is not flat. The pitch is not straight. It's not, it's you no, know, we've got a few bumps in it. How do they mentally adapt to it? They can't because they're not used to it. So then that that puts a mark against them to be like, well, I'm not going to pick that person because they don't know how to deal with it. So yeah. mentally, it's like, how do you deal with it? And if you have everything perfect for you, when it's not perfect as a person, how do you deal with it? But when, if you've come from somewhere where things aren't perfect and you go to that perfect, you, I feel that you don't take it for granted. Um, so being at Arsenal, okay, we took it for granted for the most part, but I felt when I went to Sunderland, it was a completely different situation just because I went from a team that was winning every week to a team that was bottom of the league losing every week. So not only do you learn more about yourself, you learn more about the group, but I feel you get that experience, that valuable learning football education of how hard is it on the other side of football? You know, when you're not winning, when things are not great, when you have to go somewhere else and, you know, you're not loved by the fans, you know, fans hate you, fans don't like you because you've done this, you don't like that. So it's all a learning curve. And I feel also being part of the national team is a learning curve because as Tristan knows, everything in the national team might look perfect on the outside, but on the inside, things ain't always perfect. Um, you know, there's been many run-ins with our national team um, that you've probably experienced that, you know, we won't talk about, but it's never been perfect. You know, it's been public news that sometimes we've not been able to play in games or we've waited to play in the games until things were right. But people don't know what goes on behind closed doors. But at the end of the day, as players, we train hard, we work hard because our end goal is we want to perform for our national team and for our clubs because all in all, if the national team and the club do well and I'm performing as the player, then I can get a move to wherever I want to go and it makes me a better player. So I say you got to take the good with the rough and the rough with the smooth because, you know, you can't always have it perfect. And I guess no one ever has it perfect, even Messi. You know, look at him at PSG. Yeah. So, yeah. There's someone unhappy at every level of the game, that's for sure. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And I mean, you know, the national team is the highest level. So... At the end of the day, that's that's where you want to reach. You want to reach your club level, best player in the club, or one of the better players in the club. And at the end of the day, you want to represent your national team. Yeah. So back to this game, uh, we go 2-0 up. Uh, good goal from Johnny Fortune, assisted by Neville Hackshaw, who I thought was very impressive in this game. Uh, we get an own goal, uh, second half. And it's, I believe, a very, very dominant, uh, very impressive 3-0 win. Uh, after the game, Tristan, you know, the part that we don't see on the TV feed, you go back to the locker room. How does the team and the staff feel about this game? Is it, Are we excited? Are we giving feedback that something needs to be better? Because we obviously have a very, very tough game up next. What What's the mood immediately after that game? I mean, like, immediately after a win, you know, it's, it's always a, like a joyful moment because we played a game to win. So, like, you know, everyone was, like, being themselves, like, happy. Um, you know, we, we had a convincing win, you know, 3 0. Uh, so, like, everyone in the, in the group, the room was excited. We, we were happy. We, like, I think, like, we were happy first, and then we, like, studied, like, we have a hard game after. You know, the happiness was first. So, you know, like, 
after the coach came in, he was like, you know, congratulations. Like, everyone, like, was there, like, chanting on, like, you know, and then we had to, like, switch our focus because, like, that's just the first game. We haven't done anything yet. Like, we just have, like, done the, the minimum, you know? So, yeah. after the game, we would go back to the hotel. Like, we, we would have some joy, like, you know, like, he would give us some time, but, like, we, we had to refocus quick because, like, the next game was, like, in the next three days. And, like, you know if it's not going to be, like, an easy 3-0 game or, like, we're not going to dominate that easy, you know? So, I mean, it's always joy after a game, but, like, in, in tournaments that, you know, you have to switch all after. You know, you have to forget about the win eventually. Now, tournaments are interesting to me because at Hartford, you know, you come in, you play your game, you all go home. And there's a familiarity and there's a routine to your life if you win or you lose or you draw. Tournaments are much more intensive, right? Because you're all in the same hotel. You're all usually on foreign soil. Um, <laughs> I, I would say the good and the bad both get magnified because of the uh, proximity of the group. You know, speaking from firsthand experience, what what did you find to be the biggest differences between the regular season and day-to-day at your club and tournament play with the national team? Oh, I mean, like, uh, your your club, like, you, you get to like go to preseason, like, you know, you you build a strong connection, like, you know, you know everyone, like, perhaps like national team, like, there's some new guys that you, you know you have to adjust to, or like, you you have never played with, and like, you only get to come in for like a short period of time because like they release you for like five days before the tournament or like six days before, so you you get a, like a, a little bit of time to to really gel and make that connection, like, with your players, you know? Like, I mean, some of them are countrymen, but, like, there are some countrymen who you, you never played with. So you, you don't really know, like, their tendencies, like, what they do, what they do well, what they don't do. And, like, you have to learn all that in, like, a short period of time, which is usually, like, five days, you know? So it, I think it, it's harder than... A tournament is always harder than, like, the league play, you know, because, like, there's a short time to prepare, you know? And, like, it's harder, too. Like, it's a much higher level... You know, like, everyone can play. Like, they look for the best from the country, you know. Like, everyone is in tough leagues. So, I think, like, tournament is, like, harder. Like, especially, like, national level. Yeah. And now, between the two games, um, it was a surprise to myself and Justin, but uh, the lineup for Jamaica comes up and you are replaced, it looks like, with Gomez at left back, which, after a 3-0 win... After a clean sheet, you know, personally, just speaking as a fan and somebody covering the team, little more changes than I expected to see. Um, how did that work? Are you told that, you know, in the hotel? Do you find out the day of the game? What are, What is the logistics of uh, benching after a 3-0 victory? Oh, well, I mean, like, the, the head coach, like, he makes all the decisions, you know, like, as players, we can, like, do much. We can, like, voice our opinions, like, you know, on a decision he makes, but, like, it doesn't make make a difference because he has the final say. So I believe, like, I found out that I'm I'm not gonna start the game like the day after the the win with St. Kitts. Like we had a break and then we trained the next day. And like that's when I found out, like you know, I'm not starting. Like he, he came up to me asking me like how I'm feeling, like you know. But he also told me like he's gonna change the system. Like he's gonna play like three center backs and two wing backs. And like I'm not really a wing back. Because I'm a center back, but I could play left back. So, you know, yeah, going up and down is not really my thing. So, he was like, you know, he's going to, like, play 3-5-2. And I was like, you know, 
being a wing back in a three five two, you know, I could give you my best, but I don't think like it would be good for the team. You know, I was honest because I, um, I, I can't like go up and down like that. And you yeah. know, Shannon is a more up and down guy, even though he's a like a ninety. So I was, I was kind of okay with his decision. Like I see, like if we were playing the same system and I like, he put me on the bench, like it, it would hurt me, or I would feel like you know. But I, I was honest about it because I, I mean, like he's a much better like wing back than me, so I was okay about the decision. All right, and uh, you know, it's it's um. It's worth mentioning. It's a very, very high level opponent, but the uh, the first half doesn't go well. Um, we're three 0 down at half time. Two goals by Everton winger Damari Gray, a goal by Aston Villa forward Leon Bailey. Um, it's a tough opponent. Uh, I guess my question here is: you're talking about you know people use elite level and top class. It's very much an overused term here, but when you're looking at Antonio, who was very recently played 90 minutes and won the Europa Conference League with West Ham. When you look at Leon Bailey, who's been effective in the Bundesliga and the EPL, and when you look at Damari Gray, who is, you know, playing a role in Everton surviving relegation from the EPL, I mean, this is the the top of the top of the sport that you're playing head-to-head against here in this Jamaican front three. Um, if I was to ask you, because this kind of thing fascinates me, if you think of a USL championship game against a quality winger or a quality forward, and you think specifically about Leon Bailey, Mikel Antonio, uh, Damari Gray, what, what's the what's the first thing that hits you about the difference? Is it the skill, the pace, the speed, all of it, something different? What is it that separates these people? I mean, like, the, the level, like, the level is way higher, so, you know... I think the the USL level is, is nowhere, you know, compared to the English Premier League. So they train at that level every day, like every day, every day. So you know, like automatically, like they're already on a different level. Like they they're faster. Like their their tactical awareness is way higher. Like their positioning, like they they always go in position. Like beforehand, like everything is just like way more like a higher level, you know. And like yeah. it's. I mean, like, the, the USL could be, like, on a level two, but, like, compared to the, the EPL, like, I don't think so. Yeah. Are you, do you learn anything playing against opposition of this level, or is it simply a case of you're doing the same things and they just have that much more sharpness, intensity, athleticism? Or is that, are you literally walking off the field going, yeah, that's made me a better player because I need to change this in my game? Well, I mean, like, every day you, you you learn different things, you know? Like, learning has no age, so I think, like, playing against Antonio, you can learn something, and, like, playing against the USL guy, you can learn something, too. But, like, you yeah. know, I think, like, playing a US, like, against uh, Antonio, you will learn more than you play against a guy in the USL, you know? Yeah, for sure. I guess it's that learning curve playing against better, more experienced players. I say, I always use experience because... You know, you can go against a really good up-and-coming USL player or, say, MLS player, and he could technically be better at certain things than Antonio. But because Antonio has got the experience of playing in the Premier League, playing in the championships and playing more games than someone in USL at a higher level, everyone automatically thinks he's a better player. Yes, he is on on 
I would say, stats and looking at him, he's a better player, yes. But if you put one of the top USL or MLS players in the Premier League, can they do a good job? Or if you give a winger a chance to do something in the Premier League, could he do it? Maybe. But I say they have that Premier League championship experience. If you give one of the best USL wingers a chance in the championship to prove themselves and train at that level that Antonio and some of the other players has, I'm telling you, someone or two could probably do it if they train at that level on a consistent basis. And that's why I feel that they're higher up because the time of the pass is better, the weight of the pass is better. They, Like you said, Tristan, the understanding of the game, the tactical, the positional play is all a lot more advanced than someone in the USL. I would say even MLS and USL League One and USL Championship just because they're doing that day in, day out. They're doing it on a European level and they've done it for however long in the championship and the championship, we have to admit, is higher than the USL. So... Yeah. In that sense, you learn a lot playing against them in an experienced way. But I feel you learn just as much playing against a tricky fast winger in the USL because that's what you're going to come against every week. So that will make you better because you're coming against them opponents every week. But internationally, you're playing against different quality players and higher level players of a higher level IQ that that will make you better on an international stage. So I feel like you've got to adapt to international football to club football because I'm telling you it, it, as, as Tristan knows it is completely different <laughs> yeah yeah uh, rest of this game we get a goal back um, certainly a lot of fight you know some teams go down 3-0 when they're underdog and fall but Rampasad scores a good goal I thought he had a good game this game um, Jamaica get a fourth it's a 4-1 defeat and Again, what I'm interested in, because, you know, the TV analysts can tell us what they think and we can think what we think, but we don't know. Um, and Trinidad could be anywhere here on a scale of still confident because we played well against St. Kitts and we lost to a good team with a good front three and we got a fighting chance of going through. Or we could have had our confidence dented because we've just let four goals in, made some changes to the team and we got the uh, the group favourites, the USA, up next. Um I certainly was a believer that there's no shame in the Jamaican loss because those, though primarily those three players, they're not the only players, but I think they're certainly the the flagship players in that group. And not only did they get out the group, I, they won their quarterfinal one 0 I think it was Guatemala, and they only lost to the eventual winners Mexico. So that was a very, very strong team that we lose to. Um, what what is the group reaction to a four one defeat going into a game against the USA? I mean, like, we won our first game and, like, we lost the second. Like, we knew, like, if we won the game against the U.S., we, we were going to go through regardless. So, like, the, the the mindset was there. Like, the positives were there. Like, we would, like, try to pick ourselves back up because, like, we, we competed, like, in the second half with Jamaica. We see that we could, like, you know. And, like, we showed, like, if we started the right team, like, we, we had a chance. We probably could still lose, but we had, like, we... We looked like we had a better chance with it in the second half. The players that he started well, well, uh, brought on. So I think like going into the U.S. game, like uh, our confidence wasn't like was there, but like we we were we were gaining it. We didn't have much time to like gain confidence because like you know it's a, it's a short short time to play the game. So like we we had to like get our confidence from the training. Like the eyes motivating us, you know. But going into the game, we knew it was a hard game. But like 
we always believe we could win. We, we always had that belief, like in the locker room, like we always believe that we could win, you know. And I, I, I like that from the from the guy, the group of guys, and like the team, like the confidence is there, like you know, there's a lot of things to, that we have to work on, but like the confidence is there, like you know, we just like have to work on some other stuff. Yeah, and now when your staff was scouting the USA, um. Was there anything in particular that you were worried about? Was there anything in particular that gave you a reason to believe you might win the game? What What was the uh, preparation like for this third game? Uh, the, the, the preparation was like, you know, we have to like defend behind the ball because like we know they're, they're, they're all quality players in the USD. Like they, they, most of them play like at a high level. If it's not MLS, it's like somewhere so like, Defending behind the ball was our main concern, you know, and like going on the corner because we have fast, like fast wingers, and like you know, so our main concern was like defending and like going on the corner, you know, like, but like uh, eventually it, it didn't work out for us, like you know, we 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 let we have like three goals in the first half, and like it was hard to like get back up from there. Yeah, I think what's impressive from you, Tristan, is you've got your place back in the team here. And why I think that speaks well to your mindset is I've coached, I haven't coached a national team, but I've coached D3, D2, D1 college, now pro. And sometimes you're not sure you've got two players and you haven't picked one. And if you ever start a player and bench him, you don't bench him in your own mind permanently. You sort of like, okay, I've got that game worth of information on him. Now let's check this other guy and let's see. And honestly, in my personal experience, seven or eight times out of 10, the player you bench makes the decision for you by losing belief in himself, dropping his levels in practice, filling his mind with doubt. And so you go with the other guy. Um, but you must have trained well between the games. You must have kept you know, your, your mind bought into the team despite being benched. No one wants to be benched. And you're back in the lineup for the USA game. So, the, you know, the game doesn't go well, but I think that speaks to your resilience, which is showing again at the club level. Uh, but I have one main question for you on this uh, USA game. You know, it's, it's, it's we lose. It, it happens, right? You play against a good team, you get beat. It's happened to everyone listening. Uh, Justin's played on the only team I know of that that didn't ever happen to, uh, the Arsenal Invincibles. But everyone gets beat. But I'm interested in your thoughts on uh, Jesus Ferreira. Uh, because I have not watched a lot of him going into the Gold Cup, but I'm not blind and I'm not deaf. And I'm aware that the USA fans are like, this guy, a lot of them at least, this guy is not an elite level player. This guy <laughs> is his stats against a certain level of opposition. And this guy isn't at the, at the top of the spot or going to be. I'm watching just this tournament. And I'm personally, so I'll get all the abuse in the comments or whatever. <laughs> I'm not seeing that big a difference between Damari Gray, Leon Bailey, Mikel Antonio, and Jesus Ferreira. What well, you know, you, you played against them head to head. You're on the field with them. That's a real rare perspective to get. How does he fit in that group, or is he a level below? Uh, are you speaking about like the the, the group of like the USA the, number nine Ferreira, who scored the three? Are you speaking about like the, the US group that they? they or like the, the no, main... I'm talking about the, the elite level forward you faced, like Leon Bailey, Mikel Antonio, uh, Damari Gray, 
Jesus Ferreira. Like, is is he on that level? Is he capable of reaching that level in time? Or is he, in your eyes, significantly below the level of play those three showed? Uh, for me personally, uh, he's on the same level. Like, he's smart, he's technical. I think he's more technical than uh, Antonio. He's just as technical as uh, Gray. Like, he he has a good awareness of the centre-back. So he, he jumps down. I think he's on a good level. Like, you know, he's a top player for me. He's a, he's not, like, big in size, like a big hold-up guy. But, like, mm-hmm. he's technically good. Like, he runs off the ball. He makes good decisions. Like, his passing is good. You know, he could shoot. He could finish. You know, he, he's on a high level. I like him as a player. Sure, he, he's a hard player to play against, you know. Yeah, Justin, what uh, what do you think? I like it. I really like him as a player. Uh, I thought I feel what people fail to forget. I'd say the US fans. I feel the US fans are stuck in with the forwards that they've had in the past. Um, they're not maybe used to this new generation strike strikers type of striker. Um, I think that this majority of the time they're still have their main number nine and now Ferreira's come into it. Uh, they're not sure about him just yet, uh, obviously, because he's in the MLS, but I'm sure it won't be long before he's exiting out of the MLS to somewhere in Europe, I would say. Um, yeah. But I think what we've got to forget, uh, what we've got to remember is he's still quite young. Um, you look at his movement, you look at the amount of goals he scored, uh, you look at the game against Trinidad, his movement, the, the, the way he plays, the way his link-up play is great. Um, and as a defender, he's a, he's a hard person to play against. He's not a traditional number nine. He's someone that can play out wide. He's good out wide also. So for me, I think he's, I, I'm a big fan. You know what I say about him. I think he's a good player. I've watched him a lot now recently. I've watched him against Inter Miami recently. Um, he's a really, really good player. Um, yeah, young player. He's a young player. I mean, at the end of the day, he's a young player with huge talent and if he goes abroad somewhere, which he probably will do, and scores goals, I'm sure the US fans or whoever was doubting him are soon going to change because it's only a matter of time before someone sees him and takes him. Because you know, with them, with them kind of numbers at international level, you're not a bad player. If you're scoring goals at international level level at such a young age, you're not a bad player. Yeah. Even if you pulled up for the national team, I don't think you're a bad player. Team I watch the most is Middlesbrough. And I've seen Daryl DK go from the MLS to the championship and how he's performed. I would be very excited to hear Pereira was going to Middlesbrough. Probably not going to happen, right? But, like, I I think he's that level. Is he going to do what Chuba Akpom did last year and get 30 goals? Probably not. Um, is he going to do what Marcus Foss did and get 10? Maybe, you know. Maybe, I like, I, I see it. Yeah, I think he can score goals in the championship. Uh, he's that type of player. If you put him in the right team, I feel he'll score goals. He's he's not a selfish striker. He's not a traditional number nine, but he's a he's a player that can also create assists. And what I like about him is that he can play on the wing. Um, what I like about a lot of modern day players now, they don't just play one position. You know, some players can play centre back, left back, right back, um, wing back now. And now you're seeing strikers can play number nine, number ten, number eleven, number seven. So. Um, you're getting it now where a lot of players can play multiple positions, which I think is is another asset as a player to have. Yeah. And now so I've got a question. So what was the mindset um uh, of the team going into the US? Were you got confident going into the game, knowing that you've beat the US before? Um everyone knows about what happened to the US once you beat them. But obviously as Trinidad players, you know about the history, you know about um what it would mean to the to the country, to the players to beat the US. Um and also 
what it was to go into that game knowing that, you know, if you show yourself in a good light, you never know. You could potentially get your move to the MLS or, you know, somewhere else. You know, other play other teams in Europe will be watching. So for you, what was your mindset? Are you just solely focus on the game, which I know you would be, but also in the back of the mind, you must know if you perform well, you know, doors can open now or in the future. Yeah, well, I mean, like, going into a game, you know, you, you always go into a game to win, you know, like, going into, Yeah, 100%, yeah. You know, like, going into the game, like, we had confidence, like, we, we know that we, we won a game against the US. It was on our minds, like, you know, we wouldn't just go over our heads because it happened. So, yeah. you know, it could happen again. And, like, most of the guys was like, you know, if they could do it, we could do it. Like, you know, things to motivate us, you know, and, like, personally, like, playing, like, a, a high-caliber game, like, like the US on a stage like that, you know, doors get open for you. That's always a thought in your mind that that that's just there. Like, you know, even though you mm. don't want to think about it, it's yeah, there. of course. Yeah. So yeah, I mean like that should help motivate you a little more that you know you could get a bigger opportunity, like even a bigger club, even more money. So you know, like I think that's like a lot of self-motivation right there, you know? Mm. So yeah, I think like going into the to US, the US game like most of the guys was confident in terms of like we could win this game. Like, you know, if if everyone is on the same head and like if everyone gives their best, you know, we could win this game. I mean like if everyone gives their best and we still lose, you know, we, we can't fault someone for giving their best, you know. So Yeah, of course, yeah. That's the that's what you ask for the end of the day. Yeah, like our confidence was there, like we just didn't get the job done. Yeah, yeah. So I mean against the US now it's it's tough now. They're 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 better than what they was before the US, I feel. So how was the mood in the camp after? Obviously, everyone's lost. I'm saying lost, but you know, it's it's disappointing when you go out of a tournament. But at the same time, you know, you're playing against top level opponents that have, I feel, have moved on and got better. Um, in a sense, yeah. Like the the mood in the camp was like you know after the loss, like most of the guys we we were downcast. Like you know, obviously we just won the game. We are out of the tournament. Like. We have to like go our separate ways now. Like yeah, it's hard. Yes. so long. You know, like it's it's a kind of bittersweet moment. Like at the same time, you like you're like thankful for being like on the team of the guys. You like enjoying the time you had there, but like it's, it's always like a sad moment, like to go leave all your teammates. You know, like sometimes you know you like, never see them again. Yeah, because it's crazy. Because like what people don't know is that obviously national team is a long time. You, you don't see each other or like a tournament you're together for with each other for so long the tournament starts as soon as the tournament finished or you get knocked out the next day people don't realize you're leaving you're leaving everyone goes on their separate ways and you don't know what's going to happen after that you don't know if you're going to be called up again you don't know when the next friendly is going to be you don't know what is next and let, all you know is right you're getting on that flight and you're going back to your club yeah like it's, it's always a sad trip like yeah of course yeah it's sad for everyone, I think. Like, you know, building building a chemistry with, with, with like your countrymen, like being together yeah. with them, it's it, it's a better feeling than than club level. Like, you know, yeah, know, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. And a lot of players you grew up with, you know what I mean, through the academies yeah. or you know, you see locally, like live close by you, you have similar friends. So I feel you have that close connection with everyone, more so than club, just because everyone yeah. comes from all over in the club where national team is like we're all from here, like, we're from this area, we're from that area, do you know what I mean? Yeah, of course, coach, yeah. yeah like, everyone's on the same culture, do you know what I mean? Like, that, that's kind of where 
you see it like you see a lot of national teams they come in they're listening to music they're coming dancing they're because they're all from the same yeah. culture i feel that's where you get that togetherness and you build that yeah. everlasting bond you know what i mean yeah like as a cultural standpoint like it helps a lot like yeah yeah like, differentiating from club to country like you know yeah the culture, you know uh, which uh, is hard with a club because obviously the club has to create a culture with however many different individuals yeah. so it's like creating a club culture and identity but national team is like we've already got our identity now we, we've got our culture it's just how do we how does the team come together and just basically we're together that's it then that the, i feel club level which you would know is the you have to put you have to build that you have to build the identity you have to build this you have to build a togetherness you know, one player drops off because they don't like what they fit in, then they're out. But national team is kind of like, but they can't really fall out because they're part of it. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's it's it's, it's crazy when you think about it. But these little things, I think, go a long way in tournaments. Um, yeah. And I feel a lot of successful teams have cultural strengths, for sure. I mean, when I was at Arsenal, we had individuals, but we had little together units that blended in and worked in one unit. Whereas I've been on other teams where we've just all been separate <laughs> and it just didn't work. So yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. National team and club level is completely different. So club level, Tristan, um, you're with Hartford Athletic, uh, disappointing season, um, coaching change you've been on the end of, uh, no need to revisit that. Um, but what's worth mentioning here is I speak to people inside and players at Hartford a lot. And even before the coaching change, people spoke very, very highly of Amid Namazi. And we might be seeing the shoots of a revival here because, you know, we've won four games all season in the USL Championship, but we've won two of our last three games. Uh, we got a 2-0 win here over the Las Vegas Lights. Um, we've got a loss to San Antonio. And then in our last game, we've got a 2-1 win over New Mexico. Um, red card right at the end there. But two wins out of three has got to feel good coming off the season we've had. Um, is there a specific difference in coaching me that has helped the team? Is it a case of just sticking at it, sticking together and learning the lessons we've been learning all season? Or, you know, what, what are you attributing these two wins in three games to? And what makes you feel optimistic and confident about the games ahead? I mean, like, uh, so most of the games that, that we lost, like, this season, is like, we, we beat ourselves. Like, we, we shot ourselves in the foot most of the games. Like, some games, like, we were all played and beaten. But like, I think, personally, with the coaching change, like, like, reality, like, it now hit us. Like, you know? Things were going well, and like guys were like still like not giving their everything, and like I think like now it 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 reached like uh, a moment where like we were embarrassed, like you know we we are way better than like what what they see, like you know some of the fans come out and like it, it hurt us to like disappoint like all the fans and stuff because we know we are way better team than that. So I think like. Personally, like, we just need to, like, give more, like, more effort, give more, like, run more, like, put, put, put more effort in practice, like, you know, take more accountability, you know? The coaching change, like, 
it, it helped us. You know, I would say it helped us. Like, I wouldn't want to say, like, the, the, the next coach was a bad coach. Like, he was a good coach, too. Like, you know, like, it takes different, like, coaches to bring out different stuff in you, like, as players, you know? So I think, like, the, the group of guys is probably, like, giving it everything now. When, like, before, they, they didn't give me everything, you know? So I think, like, going into the rest of the games, like, we, we see our potential. Like, we have a good team. We have good players, like, in every spot. So what we, we could do it, like, you know? Gain, gaining, it's always hard to, like, gain confidence when you don't win. So, you know, yeah, like, you don't even want to, like, go in a train. Like, when you don't win, it's like, you're just ready to go back home or, like, you just can't wait for the season to finish because nothing is going your way, you know? So, I mean, confidence is, it, it's a hard thing to build back up when you don't win. But, like, these games that we, we win recently, we are getting there. Like, you know, the practice is better. Like, we are more sharp in practice. Like, you know? And like I have some confidence that like we, we could win some games for sure. So we have a good team, man. We have a good team. Yeah. And it's a it's interesting schedule coming up. You got a game against Miami, and we got two games against the Pittsburgh Riverhounds, who are a very, very good, always good USL champion. Always good. Um my favorite Hartford game was against Pittsburgh. You know, I was following the team very closely in 2020. And they um they were USL was in groups for COVID regional and they took a five nil beating from Pittsburgh and they took a three nil beating from Pittsburgh. And then really late in the season, uh, when they needed to win to top the group, they went to Pittsburgh and won one nil. Um, very, very impressive game, probably an all time game in Hartford's history. Uh, so it'd be nice to see a revival of that, you know, a win over Pittsburgh, uh, to add to two out of three, you might really see the team turn a corner here, which, You've mentioned the fans. I think the fans deserve it at Hartford. I think you've got a very passionate owner in Bruce Mandel. Um, I like a lot about the club, and it's one I, I really want to see succeed. Yeah. All right, so two last parts for this pod, and one's for you, Tristan. I'm going to give you an opportunity here to, to become Coach Tristan for a second. Um, we've got a young defender listening to this podcast. He's looking at you. You've got yourself a career in the USL Championship. You've played in the Gold Cup. You've played against the USA and Jamaica. What what advice would you give him on how to succeed as a defender at the top levels? I mean, like, one of the first things that I learned as a defender is, like, working hard. Like, you know, you, you have to work hard. Like, you have to do extra work. Like, you, you, you can't do, like, what, what the team is doing. You, you'll be just like the team, you know? You have to, like, do extra stuff after practice. You have to, like, be dialed in. You have to, you know, like, be tactically, you know, very good. I feel like being a good defender, like, you, you tactically have to be, like, good too, you know? To know, like, your position-wise and, like, you know, learn your teammates in front of you, you know? So I think, like, being a good defender starts with working hard, you know? Uh, the, the rest is like, you know, you have to be good on the ball. You have to, you know, I mean, it, it all depends on like how bad you, you want to be a good player. You know, like you, you have to go out and like do what it takes to be, you know, sometimes it's going to be hard, but like you have to push through, you know? Yeah. Good stuff. And uh, last part of the pod, the weekend's coming up, opening weekend of EPL. You're a Liverpool fan. We're opening against Chelsea. What are you looking for in that game? What's one thing you're going to be looking to see? The draw. No, draw. I think, like, me personally think 
Liverpool's going to win 2 2 0. No chance. Like, no, like, like, Justin, don't be a hit. I think the mood in the, in the camp is like, it's pretty, pretty good right now. Like, you know, Liverpool going to struggle this year. I don't think so, bro. They're going to be there they was last season. They're in transition period at the minute. Chelsea, you never know where they're going to be good or they're going to be bad. Yeah, that's why I think this game's interesting because it's a battle of two teams that were both disappointed. Clue what Chelsea are going to do. Who's going to line up for Chelsea? I don't know how they're going to play. All I know is it's going to be out of Arsenal and City again, so I'm I'm cool. <laughs> Arsenal v Forest. What are we looking for, Justin? Arsenal victory, of course. Arsenal ain't going to lose this season. Uh, we'll lose to City, but uh, no, Arsenal win. Arsenal win. They got confident from the uh, from the nice. City victory. Um, they're confident again from last season. They're going to go again. My only problem is how is the team going to fare once Champions League starts? Yeah. So uh, you, you two won't be my concern, but Middlesbrough play Coventry and I don't know that we're going to win. Coventry are decent again. So um was out of the playoffs last year. I believe Gus Hame is a Premier League level player. Um, it looks like Middlesbrough losing their star forward, Chuba Pom. Where's he going? Is he injured? He's not. He's on the bench, not playing. He was in a contract dispute all preseason, and the most common rumours I'm hearing are Sheffield United and Crystal Palace, both of whom I think he could play well for. I think. An, I think an interesting thing about Tuba is you know what Balogun did in France last France last year, like Tuba yeah. scored nine, ten times as many goals as Balogun did um, on the same Middlesbrough team. So I I think he belongs in the Premier League or at least go to France. Uh, he'll go for Palace, I reckon. Stay in London, go to Palace. Yeah. Typical, we have a contract dispute, though, because he done so well. So I, I guess that's why. And obviously, there's transfer speculation, so I guess he's not going to play. But now, who do they replace him with now? I mean, yeah. You're going to need a striker with Bari. In the in the Championship, you need a striker who's going to score 20, 25 goals minimum to be playoffs team. Jesus Ferreira. <laughs> They've got, they've got, they've got Morgan. He ain't gonna leave MLS to go Middlesbrough. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> a nineteen-year-old on uh, on loan from Man City called Morgan Rogers. I oh, didn't yeah. see it in the opener for Millwall. Certainly not getting the Atubas level. Um, we we bought a guy from Australia called Sammy Silvera. Yeah, and he looked exciting. Yeah. He's he did well against Millwall. He scored in the cup win at Huddersfield. So. You never know. I mean, this time a year ago, no one thought it would be Tuba. You'd never yeah, hit. You never know. Yeah. And then he hits I, was, I was always the player that wanted to go from Middlesbrough to the US. So, <laughs> <laughs> Tristan, if you know any centre forwards that want to play in the championship and can get thirty goals, uh, let me know, brother. Uh, yeah, I would. <laughs> right. <laughs> all right. So I'll have a go. <laughs> thank you all for listening, Tristan. Thank you, sincerely. It's been a, been a pleasure, mate. It's been an education. All the best for the rest of the season. Yeah, go Hartford. I'll be watching the games just about. 